Uh, I, I've been I've been workshopping some opening lines for this episode. Ooh, I'm excited. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw them out there, and then we can we'll, see what okay. the reactions are. Decide which ones we want to use. I'm gonna rank them out of ten. All of them. All uh, of them. So Daily, I'm I'm sorry. You must be really disappointed. Why is that, Jason? Because I, I I know like you last time you were on it was Maximum Overdrive. It was a real wacky movie. It was a lot of fun. I know you wanted to come back on for like another episode like that, but this was just a normal movie. Three out of ten. Three out of ten. Jason, try again. <laughs> Um, from the writer of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, comes a film best called Galactic Straining, Montezuma's Revenge. Six. I'm giving you six on that one. Like what that. else have you got? Hey, Jim. <laughs> yeah, Jason? Remember a few days ago when you got really mad at me for talking too much about graphic butthole invasion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bluetooth Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. Jason, before we get into this movie, can I uh, just say a list of names and ask the whole audience to, every time I say one of these names, uh, pump a fist in the air? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? All right, are you ready? Are you ready? Lawrence Kasdan, William Goldman, Jason Lee, Timothy Oliphant, Morgan Freeman, Tom Sizemore, and I guess Donnie Wahlberg. Um, that's this movie. That's this movie, Jason. What, wait, wait. Are you? Are you? Are you? Happened? Are you dipping out? You, you dipping out of my boy Damian Lewis? I don't even know who that is. It's Jonesy. Oh, is it? Then yes. Jonesy. Yes. Yeah, I'm dipping out on your boy Damian Lewis. Um, when Jamie asked oh. me what movie are you watching, I said, well, it's Dreamcatcher. And she's like, I don't really remember that. And I said, well, I don't, I only sort of remember it. I remember it being a movie. It's like a murderer's row of medium famous white guys from the early 2000s. Uh, and I, I remember Josh Lucas being in this movie and Josh Lucas is not in this is. movie, but Thomas Jane is in this movie. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. like diet, diet, Josh <laughs> Lucas, I guess. Oh, burn on Thomas Jane. Who's also awesome. Yeah. Is he, he, he the boringest Punisher? Yeah, actually, I'm probably wrong. Yeah, but that's not his fault. Josh Lucas is the diet Thomas Jane. I think I have that backwards. <laughs> I guess that's mostly what I know Tom Jane from is being the boringest Punisher. I don't really know what else he's done. <laughs> I mean, he was really great as himself in Arrested Development. Yes. Right? No, that's true. And he that's has like three scenes. Goes in a long Nights way for fun. me. That's fair. And also, he was really good in this movie Dreamcatcher. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> Yeah, this um, movie brings together several of Stephen King's interests, as I guess they all do. They're all just a, a whirling blender of ideas he's had um, yeah. already and used. But th- this one, th- it took me—I'm going to say—an hour to figure out exactly what was happening with these dudes, because it's about these four dudes who are—they're—they're they're a typical Stephen King band of boys, but. They are in their, uh, what, 30s? Maybe 40s, yeah. but still yeah. all emotionally and mentally 13 years old. No, I mean, um, it's, it's funny you mention that because... Is the idea that their brains all stopped growing when they met 
Donnie Wahlberg? I don't remember his name. Duditz. I Duditz. <laughs> yeah, Duditz. Is that what it is? Is that it the is, idea? Yeah. I, well, so I thought it was funny because I had the same note, which was that like th- they have this really weird dialogue, like stylistic yes. dialogue, and I couldn't figure. I was like, is this King? Is this? Kazdan, like, who is the culprit here? Is it Goldman? I think Definitely it's Kazdan. No, it's, gonna be it's Kazdan, so right? king. Well, it's not they, king. For they people also who are around, like dumb slang that doesn't exist is very Stephen King. Yeah, fuckery, I'm sure some fuckery, of the bits. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I don't know about that part. I, I don't. I'm sure some of the bits are from the King novel. Yeah, but that there there is no mistaking to my mind the sound of a fucking screenwriter writing a bunch of dudes hanging out and it is my least favorite thing in the world but this is when a, a bunch screenwriter of dudes gets to just out. write some dudes being dudes man this yeah. is specifically a bunch of deeply emotionally and mentally stunted dudes yeah aka dudes that a screenwriter in LA would write about do hanging you, out you don't think that they're intended to be no. Then I See, disagree. they are just I meant to be dudes. I, I think that in order for they this movie to work, to they dudes. have to have stopped growing at nope. 13 to 14 years old. See, they I, reminded me a lot of the kids from you're wrong. Uh, you're wrong Stand By Me or, <laughs> Having, or It. And I was like, oh yeah, they, they talk like those kids. Because even like in It, like you look yeah. at It, and it's like they those kids talk in like weird like slang shit. Yes. Just like the kids in Stand By Me. But when the kids in It are grown-ups, they don't keep talking like that. Other than saying beep, But beep, these people she. do because like they've they, been ruined. But they also... Yeah. They also continue to act that way. Like when Jason Lee is alone on the toilet, he is acting like a 12-year-old. He's yes. frightened and freaking out and can't function without his lucky toothpick. toothpick. It's yeah. The way they are written is as if the characters were 12 but being played by adult men. And I will and cannot believe that they were written not to be that. Can we can we talk about the like the first like 10 15 minutes of this movie is maybe like my favorite part of the movie. Um because it's like a little short story about like the woes of having telepathic powers. It is a weird little movie about four friends who are all telepathic which then yeah. never comes back. Yeah, or like matters. I was really into that movie at really? the beginning. The alien um, picks two of them that it thinks matters <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Yeah, um, but... What? But... This is going to be a really contentious episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already telling we have very different reads on this movie. So wait, at the very beginning, like, I feel like the whole, like, I was... The whole thing, I feel like, is summed up in one scene, which is... Yeah. Basically, the the very first scene of the movie, which is Thomas Jane... Psychiatrist Thomas Jane and his very, very fat patient... (laughs) Um, which is the whole scene is underscored by the creaking of the psychiatry couch because it is obscene how much they make it a fat joke. Yeah, I know it's insane. Can can I just pause for a moment to say I had to back that scene up about three times (laughs) to determine that what the patient was actually talking about was the psychological inferiority complex of Carl's Carl's Jr. Jr. Yes, the restaurant. (laughs) Who can never live up to his father, the original Carl. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, like it was so insane to me I could not believe that that was actually what was happening. Yeah. But okay, but here's the thing and that felt like some real screenwriter garbage like nonsense patter there at the beginning. But I was like okay, fine, let's move past that. But the they get to the point where he's he's babbling about Carl's Jr. and then Thomas Jane cuts him off and starts like telling him his psychically gleaned truths about like yeah. you're eating yourself to death because you blame yourself for killing your mother. And the patient like looks at him incredulously and is like I never told you that. How could you how could you possibly know that? I never told you that. And Thomas J looks at him and goes, 
it doesn't matter. And you yeah. just under his breath, with under a look of resignation that says, ugh, I did it again. Yeah. I killed another patient. <laughs> but, like, the, he says, it doesn't matter. And then the patient just under his breath goes, it doesn't matter? And, like, that's <laughs> this whole movie. Yeah. That's this whole movie. Isn't we were like, what? How, how did that happen? It doesn't matter. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> I, I feel like we need more. I feel like you can't just brush this shit off to the side. <laughs> Well, you know, he was clearly in a state. Yeah, he was going to therapy. He was looking for... He's still looking to work through his issues, and Thomas Jane was just like, no, I mean, oh, Thomas here's Jane how you ruined was clearly in a state. Oh, I Because like he talks about it later. Scene. He's like, like three months ago, I, on the day that you got hit by a car, I did oh, this crazy right, thing. Right. right, right, right. And I don't know why I did it. Yeah. And also, to me, it's very clear that what was happening down is that... when they're trying to kill themselves? That's like, it was like yeah. the most awkward, <laughs> weird... Yeah. I couldn't... I, I mean, couldn't... what it seems like is that either Thomas Jane or Jonesy needed to die and come back for the whole thing to work. Sure. Mm. So what was happening was that both of them were being pushed to this right. weird mental place. Dennis was like, I'm going to kill one of these die. guys right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, because what you find out three quarters of the way through the movie, right, is that Duddits has been puppet mastering them all. Basically, yeah. To get them to a place where he can fight the, the big alien. Mr. Gay. Yeah. Mr. Gay. Mr. Gay. Oh, man, I I mean, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I, I again, it's like, how do I, how, I don't know, am I supposed to take this seriously? Like, the, him having a the speech impediment, yeah, cool, fine, whatever. And I kind of like the, the idea that, like, Thomas Jane just understands him and it's, like, no big deal. Sure. But... Yeah. How many times can they say Mr. Gay over and over and over in this movie to the villain in this movie? Yeah, like I, it's Mr. Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Also, why is Mr. But they Gray, sure never say that. Why is Mr. Gray English? <laughs> I don't understand why he has a British accent. Um, nope. But then I I did a little cursory research and found out that um, apparently uh, Damien Lewis decided that for Mr. Gray's voice he would do an impression of Malcolm McDowell, and I am huh. all in it's on that choice. dramatic decision. Yes, yeah. no, that, that was the correct choice. <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't know how long to leave this reveal for. But guys, I thought this movie was good. <laughs> yeah, I I had generally positive feelings. I, I okay. I was hated... getting worried. No, 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 no. no. Sounded... I enjoyed this movie. It's fucking bonkers, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I hated, I hated every element individually. <laughs> But it's an experience. I thought it was generally enjoyable. I, would... I just, I to to me, like I was only partially joking with my little bit where I was like, "This is just a normal movie." Because as I was watching it, I was like, "I don't really understand why people think this is so crazy." Do a lot of it's people just think a it's movie. crazy? Yeah. Huh. Okay. I was like, I don't know, so, man. It's just a movie. I, I think part of that is so I went there back and I watched. I went back and I sure. watched the trailer for this movie because I remember, I remember like and. I, I, I actually, I think, sort of historically misremembered a little bit. Because I remember the trailer of this movie just being, like, sure. four guys go into the woods, and there's some, like, weird, spooky shit, and psychic powers, maybe, and, like, whatever. But, like, the alien thing, I remember not being a part of the movie, like, in the marketing. I mean, it shouldn't be in the trailer. I'm going to say yeah, putting the alien not in the trailer is correct. Yes, no, and it's not. It says alien. It says, like, four guys go into the woods and get caught in an alien invasion, but then they don't show oh, okay. any of it um and i just don't remember there that the alien part was like part of the marketing but apparently i just i just remembered incorrectly which is which is fine um but it the whole thing does feel like 
very disjointed in places. Like it feels like there's four the movie about four psychic friends who are in the woods, and then the movie about Morgan yes. Freeman who's been battling aliens for fifty years, and yeah, and somehow they each wander in and out of each other's movies at will. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, part of the reason that I think they feel so extricable is that uh, <laughs> is that the military doesn't matter to the plot of the movie ever. They no, you they could show cut up all of that out, and, and it wouldn't matter. You could all they end up doing is giving Tom Jane a ride somewhere. If you <laughs> if you break down everything they do, it's all removable except one time a guy drives him somewhere, and that could be anyone or just yeah. all alternately their car that they had absolutely no that's uh, you absolutely could completely right completely remove the military portion of this movie entirely and it would be the same movie by the time well, you except got it's to an obstacle I mean, and it's and it's world building right like it's yeah, this, yeah. It, it's it makes backstory. it huge i don't mean it, it would feel yeah. the same but i mean plot wise i actually liked the world building i thought the world building was really like the idea of this like oh this agency that like doesn't use military rank and they call each other like boss and bucko and like whatever it's like like that kind of that was and they sometimes shoot each other exactly and they call the like alien like the red fungus stuff they call it Ripley's yeah. which I thought was great yeah yeah, um, yeah they could fuck right off with that shit yeah, yeah. I know yeah. I know but like I was like oh no, like, long standing in- war against nerds yeah <laughs> I'm into the military part of this movie and I'm into the psychic yeah. friends in the woods part of this movie yeah I just like I couldn't resolve the two together like they felt like they don't two- work together I- no 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 not at all try to even really the thing is if you if you took the whole military branch out <laughs> that whole branch branch of the military you would have to um you would have to do something else with the four psychic bros right because they are sort of passive they sort of are there and then the alien comes and steals some of them and then tom jane gets the only one of them who matters and they meet at the quabin reservoir and that's really it it's a really simple straightforward story so if you were gonna get rid of the military then you would have to come up with either like a cabin fever angle or like a tucker and dale against evil angle uh, yeah and give them more business to do that matters um, I but mean, because I, I, the military is there, they don't have to. Yeah, well, and again, I'll go back to, I, I just kind of liked that it was for, just like, some until, like, yeah, and, like, yeah. until halfway through the movie, it's, like, Tom Jane and Timothy Oliphant are in the snow, and it's, like, I guess I'll walk back. I'll sit here yeah. and get drunk. Yeah. Yes. And, like, in the meantime, Jason Lee gets his face eaten, and Damian Lee gets taken over, and, like, yeah. none of them are really prepared for this at no. all. Not Wait, can we, and they you... don't know what to do, yeah. and they're just, like, I fucking, I don't know. Like, I kind of liked that it really was, it starts in it's clearly their story, but then once it shifts but to the military, not. it's like, oh yeah. no, the movie has this huge scope, and they're just a little part of it, yeah. and they don't understand what that role is, Yes, and they're just, like, these dumb guys trying to find their way through it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, like, because they befriended Duddits when he was a kid, he's just gonna eat. Yeah, yeah. and I, I thought that was, I thought that was all a strong choice. Um, Jason, you glossed over a very important part, which is, uh, is it when, when Jason Lee in Damien Lewis's head? <laughs> Well, okay, I'm going to is a very I'm, important part. I'm going to get to that cuz that's some great shit. Okay. But the part where Jason Lee gets his his face eaten, um but before he gets his face eaten, he goes full three stooges and blocks yeah. the alien slug with a toilet brush. Yes. Like as if yes. the mo curly like eyebrow like eyeball yeah. poke was, and he blocks that, it with a toilet was, brush. Again, if I remember correctly made. when he does that daily, he says whoop whoop whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right about that. Um, uh, this and then this movie, that scene in particular was pretty important to me because I think it exercised a part of me that uh, has been been dormant for years, but used to be very active. And it's the part of me that used to like Jason Lee. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, the part of me that cared about him as an actor yep. when I was a young man. And then that went away 
partially because he went away from movies and then yeah. I just like suppressed it down and pretended it never happened. Yeah. And I got to then let it back out and then yeah. be glad that and he died because so he was the right? most annoying part of the entire yeah. movie. Agreed. And I just, I got to like let that part of me go. It was really cathartic. It's cathartic, yeah. I really yeah, enjoyed Like I never Jason have to think Lee's, about mole rats ever again. I liked Jason Lee's uh, the very like first scene of him when he's at the bar and he, he takes the toothpick, he puts the toothpick in his mouth and then does the shot of whiskey but with the toothpick in the shot glass. So he has a whiskey <laughs> toothpick after that. I was like, oh, I gotta start doing that. I gotta start yeah, geez. Carrying around whiskey toothpicks. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Jason, quick, quick side note before we uh, go off on to uh, other important uh, things. Uh, uh, in the in the bit where they reveal that they're calling the red stuff Ripley, like in mm-hmm. that alien flick, yeah. or whatever the fuck they say, um, I had to pause uh, the movie. To go punch a wall. Yeah, well, to go punch a wall. <laughs> but I didn't know that when I... So I was watching the movie um, on demand, and when I pause it, it gives me little headshots of every actor that's in the scene I'm watching. <laughs> but then it also gave me little trivia bits. And like, so the first trivia bit was like, Ripley is a reference to the alien movie, oh starring Sigourney, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But then the other one said, movie reference, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Morgan Freeman refers to the aliens as E.T.'s. Whoa. I was like, you, guys. Did they put not. that in every alien guys. movie? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, move Jason, on. Based on the face that you made earlier when I said a thing about psychics, I just want to loop back and say, here's here's my thought. Wait, this is a which big is... notch in your psychic belt, by the way, Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clear psychics. So at the beginning of the movie, it's it's laid out that all four of these men are telepathic and they're going to go be friends in the woods. Uh, and then for the next 45 minutes, they're just dudes in the woods and it is irrelevant that they're telepathic, right? They're just some yes, dudes which I enjoy. hang out. And it's like then, thinking, they're like, hey, this is our thing. Yeah, but they don't even really talk about it or use it with you. You would think if you were hanging out with your telepathic bros, you'd say idiotic stuff in your brains at each other, but they say it out loud, like real idiots. Oh, yeah. sure. sure, well, sure and also, sure. like, they ask each other questions about shit, like, like, oh, yeah. I don't, what's the memory warehouse? And, like, he has to explain oh, the God. worst yeah. fucking writing in the whole movie. Yeah, and you're like, shut up. Uh, they're like, hey, could you explain other things that'll be important later? To the audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but then when the alien shows up, um, it, it just, it's, it doesn't care that they are psychic in the way that they have demonstrated because it decides that Tom Jane is important because he can draw pictures in the air and that Damien Lewis is important. What? Oh, Oliphant. Oliphant can draw in the air, yeah. Can can draw pictures in the air. And Damien Lewis is important because he has a literal library inside of his brain. And the other two, it's like, you're useless. And it just, oh, it doesn't kill Tom Jane, but it just kills Jason Lee and wants to kill Tom Jane. Yeah, Yeah. it never meets Tom Jane until the end. Whatever. But it judges him useless, doesn't it? I remember doing that. Well, no, it never meets him until the end. Whatever. Because I, 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 I also think that Tom Jane and Damian Lewis are clearly set up as the two most powerful psychics. Yes. And that's why it has to come down to the two of them. So, like, if he had met Tom, Tom Jane, Jane instead of Damian Lewis... But they're the two who can die instead. at the beginning, Jason. So I don't think that's true. What? Tom Jane is one of the two who could be the guy who dies to kick the whole thing off. Right. A.K.A. the more powerful beings. Because they can die and come back and be really important. 
Oh, because they could come back. I see. Right, because that's that's one thing that we actually haven't mentioned is the way that they deal with that is that very early on in the film, Damian Lewis walks out into traffic, gets hit by a car brutally, dies on screen, and then in the next scene is alive. Yeah. Yeah. And it is not explained. (laughs) With no explanation. And I love them for that so much. Yeah. yeah. I love that they didn't explain it. They kind of refer to it, and you're just left being like, what? I don't. Is he alive? Is he dead? (laughs) Is he not him? I don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah. I feel this is an opportune moment to bring in the some some King information. I assume Jason has looked this up already. Um, yeah, he's nodding. He's <laughs> but, nodding in agreement. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's, so, it's beautiful. Because it's amazing. So this was, Dreamcatcher was the book that Stephen King wrote uh, while recovering from his famous, like, got run over by a truck while walking on the side of the oh, road accident. Okay. It was, like, integral to his recovery, like, his physical therapy and everything. So he, he wrote the whole book in cursive. Like, he wrote it all longhand, I think, on, like, legal pads. I I don't know. Um, Because he was in a hospital bed and on Oxycontin for the entire writing of the book. Yes. So this is not a cocaine book, but it is an Oxybook. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. It's very dreamy. (laughs) He does not like the book. Well, uh, <laughs> he sold the film but rights I for think one dollar. Is that true? Well, he, he always does that. That's, gotta, that's he doesn't that's a Castle do Rock that. deal. Yeah, Castle that's Rock true. has Castle Rock has a, a, a dollar deal for every King book. Every King book is constantly in development at Castle Rock because uh, for a dollar they get everything, and yeah. then if it becomes something, then they do another deal later. I see. But yeah. he has like so he has the dollar deal for students, but then he also has the yeah. dollar deal for Castle Rock. I see. So that's Weird. every book. like, And that was actually how this movie got made, is because Lawrence Kasdan was supposed to make something else, and it fell through, and he had a deal at Castle Rock, and they were like, well, every Stephen King book is constantly technically <laughs> under development here, so is there one yeah. you want to do? And then he ended up Dreamcatcher, yeah, um, because yeah. William Goldman had been working on it, but Goldman couldn't crack it. Yeah, And so then Kasdan took it, and Kasdan wrote the script and interesting so i don't actually know how much if any goldman is Is actually in in the film yeah i mean the book came out in 01 and the movie came out in 03 so it was a pretty it was a pretty quick that's a very fast turner yeah yeah um i also took note of a few uh really 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 two major like diversions from the from the book to the movie um the first is more of a minor thing but uh makes a little more sense in context which is um in the movie Morgan Freeman's character is named uh, Colonel Curtis, and in yeah. the book, his name is Colonel Kurtz. To really hammer home that Apocalypse <laughs> Now <laughs> reference, like like King does it explicitly, and then Kazan was like, no, 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 fuck that. I don't want people thinking of Apocalypse Now when they watch my movie. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because Apocalypse Now is a better movie. So, Debatable. Um, and then... Uh, Apparently, well, I mean, not apparently in the in the book, and I, like I, so I don't know how it plays out, but it, you know, the big at the end there's the big showdown in the water room at the Quabbin Reservoir. In the book, that doesn't happen, and apparently, uh, Henry and Duddits smother Mister Gray to death with a pillow. Huh. I mean, that's a very Strong hospital choice. room ending. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't like I don't. <laughs> That was all I saw, though. It was like, they use their psychic powers to smother him to death with a pillow. But I'm like, are they at the Quabbin Reservoir with a pillow? Like, what? Where, what in what context are they smothering him to death with a pillow? That seems like a very bold departure, you know? 
Yeah, I would like I would like uh, to know well, more. But, well, because the the other thing in the book is that he doesn't go to the Quabbin Reservoir. Yeah, right? he say, wants to go to he all. wants to he wants to infect the water supply by and this is actually further into King lore is that he wants to infect it by going to the um, he wants to infect the dairy water supply because mm. that's one thing we haven't mentioned is that this film is all of these kids are from dairy are from dairy right? yeah, which yeah, yeah. is the town from it yeah right. and apparently the scene and, where they meet Dunnitz the is supposed era, to be right? in the barrens yeah 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 yeah, yeah, and so and so when when Mr. Gray takes over Damien, he takes him back to Derry, and he goes to look for the standpipe, which is where oh, Pennywise yeah, was. Yeah, was sure. And so, like, there there is some in the book. There is at least, and it may have just been because of King's sort of oxycontin haze, and it, yeah. it like yeah. much of the way that this book is kind of marshalling all of his ticks and interests together into one kind of mess of like band of boys, psychics aliens things that don't make sense like all of the stuff tumbling one after the other yeah um but there there's like spray paint in the book i think that says like pennywise lives and there's mm. also people have found linkages between descriptions of like uh so in the book it there is something that is kind of like a spaceship that has crashed near dairy like a long 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 time ago and there, there's at least some way that you can kind of look at it and think, yeah, Pennywise is this old, old entity, but this current physical iteration maybe came to Earth and came to Derry via some sort of spaceship. And it's possible that Mr. Gray is a member of an alien species that is some sort of intergalactic descendant of Pennywise from another galaxy, like a, a species that he propagated somewhere else before he came here. Hmm. So like, there's all of these connections to it, not only thematically and in the fact that it's a whole bunch of kids fighting an evil thing yeah. as adults that they dealt with as a kid or yeah, whatever, I mean that but like literally it kind of strains yeah. in there. Is it, uh, is, uh, in that read, is Mr. Gray attempting to poison Pennywise specifically? No. Or he's just trying no. to poison the town of Derry. He's just trying to use Derry as like the, the jumping off point, the central point to then mm. spread out from there. I yeah. see. Um, I mean, and I think part of that is because the book, and again, I haven't read the book. I've just looked at the internet, but I think part of it is because like the person he takes over is from Derry and they happen right. to be near Derry. Sure. And like in, in the movie, they kind of have to get a little bit sketchy about <laughs> geography and time because like he's heading to Boston, but then they're like, well, we have to stop by Derry. Well, we happen to be right there anyway. And then yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. over to Boston still just in time. Like whatever. Sure. I don't care. But um, I have a question about Duddits. Uh, is his old lady mom also an alien? Because no. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> she is a really sweet lady. She is. When she does the I I dud it's like arms in the air, like yeah. you're like yeah, yeah, no, I love you. you uh, you're the you best. like wanna you wanna cheer with her. You wanna yeah. again pump your fist. Yeah, exactly. But it's like if if if. Duddits has all these psychic powers, and the reveal at the end is that apparently he is actually this extraterrestrial creature. Like, does that mean yeah. he is his family is a bunch of aliens? That because the 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 Mister Gray's alien people, like they change their form. You know, they are like gigantic sure. forms of the the. So I couldn't figure this out because they kept referring the three to the different little kinds st- of aliens. <laughs> well, they, so there's the little thing that comes out your asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. The which, shit weasel. The shit uh-huh. weasel. So that was the thing. I was like, they kept calling it a we- like. Oh, they, there are these weasels, yeah. and then they have worms. And I was like, why would you call yeah. that a weasel? I don't understand. Yeah. Like that. And also, we- I would the call that the worm, you know? between the weasel and the worm. They look the yeah. same. One slightly yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. And then it was like, oh, because in the book they're called shit weasels. And I was like, yeah, okay. Okay, that, I get that then. Because um, shit weasel is a funny phrase. Um, but it's like, yeah. okay, so, but they are basically gigantic shit weasels. And then, but they make themselves look like, you know, the big gray, big eyed alien kind of thing to sure. be friendlier um, to people so they won't get fucking murdered by crazy military people. But, so does that mean that Duddits is also like another alien who just has been pretending to be a human this whole time. And does that mean his whole family is too? Or was like Duddits adopted and that was just cut out? Like, I don't under- I don't understand. Or is he somehow possessed? Was that alien living in the middle of his body and it just ripped yeah, his yeah. way is out of it? Yeah, yeah. Is this a Mr. Gray Jonesy situation? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. real weird I, last three minutes of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is all the movie. That's not the book. So like, oh, really? In the book... In the book, Duddits does not become an alien. In the book, Duddits, uh, so so you were saying that like they kill Mister Gray with a pillow. They do yeah. that inside Josie's Jonesy's mind. Oh. Like, Duddits uses his power to, to vault into... them into Jonesy's mind, where they kill Mister Gray. So they're and like they, in like, the make memory their way back to their bodies, yeah. and then Duddits has died from like overexertion. That yeah. makes things more way more sense. logical within yeah. the yeah. logic of the story. Not as entertaining, yeah, yeah. but makes more sense. Yeah. 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 I, the, the one thing that I don't care for that much is the whole, like, puppet mastering thing, because that always makes mm, you sure. feel like, okay, well, then why was there even a story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, if you knew everything from the beginning and everything's plotted out, who cares? And it actually sort of was the saving grace of this movie that it was a little bit illogically plotted and sort yeah. of haphazard, that even yeah. though it was trying to do that puppet mastery thing, it didn't make enough sense for that to really land. Or it's yeah. like, or it's it was being puppet mastered, but not by a cosmic genius. It was being puppet mastered by Duddits, who was doing his best and was kind of fumbling through it all. Yeah, yeah. It was like I don't know. I got some ideas. Yeah, he yeah, was just like, trying stuff. He was like, I'm going to yeah. try to kill two of my friends. See what happens. Uh, okay, that sort of worked. Let me see. Okay, now we're on the cat. He was just like just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that he would end up at the Quabbin Reservoir. And so I'm going to take this moment to, so when the movie started playing and the credits were rolling, I was like, Donnie Wahlberg? I didn't know Donnie Wahlberg yeah. was in this movie. And I kept waiting for him to show up. Hour. No, yeah, I kept waiting for him to show up. I was like, when does Donnie Wahlberg show up? And then at a certain point, I realized, like, wait a minute. I think Duddits is Donnie Wahlberg. I, I had the same experience. <laughs> and... I was not disappointed. No. I, like I, I was genuine. I was like, I, I, I didn't even recognize him. I literally, I mean, he's got like the cancer makeup going on. Apparently, the original novel sure title of the novel is Cancer, which weird. Yes, but sure. Um, but yeah, with all his like leukemia makeup, I didn't even recognize. I think Donnie Tabitha Wahlberg. made him change it. <laughs> yeah, Good for fair. her. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, she did. That's that's right. I mean, the original novel was just him like recovering from the yeah. the the accident, thinking about all of the different like horrible things that happened to bodies. Yeah. And yeah. the one thing that I do like, because we haven't actually spent enough time talking about the most important thing about this film, we we, we made slight mention of it, but. In this movie, there are aliens that live inside you and then burrow out your asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it is it's the most destructive of Jason's Jason's yeah. obsession is... with assholes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, we, I, the aliens look, we are made of nougat. We, basically, we can't let this lie. Um, <laughs> aliens are made of nougat. <laughs> yes. It's a runner. It's a runner, Jason. <laughs> um, but so, so the one thing that I really liked about when I was looking for King interviews about this book, I know King doesn't 
like the book, but he was talking about the idea of writing it and saying, it's like, well, I was trying to think of like, you know, I had this idea for the story of like these psychic guys and this other thing. But then I was thinking like, well, what, where's the taboo? Like you always want to try to find the taboo for these stories of like the thing that you can push at that will really mess with people on kind of a subconscious level. And I was thinking, it's like, you know, the taboo used to be the bedroom and now the bedroom's completely open. Everything that you could ever do in there is known, but the bathroom door still stays closed. So I'm going to do something about poop. I'm going to do something about butts. So I want to relate to you. That was a really strong, logical choice to do do that. I would like to relate to you the sequence of events while I was watching this movie, um, which is uh, I'm watching the movie at night. Uh, So uh, I'm watching the movie at night, and we get to this scene where uh, the, the guy... The, the the random hunter guy that they find whose name I have forgotten now the big big fat guy with the alien parasite up his ass um, mm-hmm. I'm which, not bleeding so yeah. good that dude's amazing just yeah. burbling and gassing yeah yeah. And, yeah yeah exactly that whole sequence is just so so, this thing. so, so I watched that strong. that whole sequence of just like yeah, yeah. farts and burps and and his yeah. stomach is expanding and his chest is expanding and you're just like oh like uh, something something's not right with that guy that guy's gonna fuck everybody up and then right as they got to the part where like they come back into the cabin the helicopter flies by and then they come back into the cabin uh to find him in like blood streaks to the toilet i had to stop watching uh because my baby daughter woke up because she's got a cold <laughs> and so she woke up in the middle of the night so i had to and my wife was already asleep so i went in to try and like calm her down and quiet her down and as soon as i picked her up she just instantly started burping and farting all over me <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this will not end well for me. And I haven't finished watching the movie, so I don't know what happens. <laughs> you just know that farting plays a big role. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah, just know I just that know soon you're going to be knocking poorly. on a bathroom door with blood yeah. under the door. Exactly. And she's going to be like, I'm fine. I'm fine in here. And you're going to be like, let me in. And she's going to be like, no, I'm just pooping. <laughs> Give me my hat. I'm not okay. bleeding. <laughs> I assume that's what um, your small daughter sounds like. Yeah, that's exactly her voice. Pick yeah. me up, Dad. I'm really farty. <laughs> I do think, though, that it, this is a gen like all jokes aside. I think it's a genuinely important part of this movie, not only in terms of its conception but its reception. Because I think part of the reason this movie is so poorly received, like yeah, it's kind of bonkers and it's kind of off kilter, but mostly like when I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, this is just a science fiction story and it's yeah. moving along, and like some choices could be better and some things could be a little more logical, but like mostly yeah. it's just a movie. It's a pretty the, straightforward. Yeah. The one thing that people I think probably can't deal with is that there's this weird obsession with like burping and flatulence and mm-hmm. things coming out of butts and it makes yeah. people so uncomfortable that instead of admit that they're uncomfortable and that it disturbs them they just want to make fun of it and laugh at it and that it like well, the, I was it reading is the, also funny it is also funny no, no yeah. I, I agree that it's funny yeah. but it's funny in that way where like you're laughing and then also something horrible you're happens. really upset yeah, yeah yeah but instead people are just like this is ridiculous it's a oh, dumb oh, movie because yeah. I was reading from somebody who was like working in the Castle Rock offices at the time uh-huh. who like was there when Kazdan came in and was looking at the script and blah 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 and they were talking about how like everybody knew from the beginning this was doomed like I remember reading the script at, you know working in the office and it's like as soon as I got to the part with the first victim where he's farting i was like done 
I won my, and like I just went on to like read the Royal Tenenbaum script because that had come over from Touchstone, and I was Stupid. like, that that is the mindset that makes movies terrible. That is yeah. the mindset that has killed the American genre film <laughs> because people are not willing to accept something that is dopey and disturbing at the same time because it's yeah. just outside of that bubble of acceptable like story content. Yeah. Which I would say most of the best genre stuff is a little yeah. dopey and a little disturbing, and a lot of it involves weird body stuff, because that's yeah. strong. Like, I really adore the scene of Oliphant pissing Duddits's name into the snow, only to have the shit oh, weasel so emerge good. from the snow and then bite his dick off, which is I just great. I just adore Oliphant. I know, I know, <laughs> me too. But G- Jason Lee's the most annoying of the group, but Oliphant is the dumbest, and it makes <laughs> yeah. me so happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. normally in this movie. Yeah, like, normally he just gets to play the angriest man in the world, which he is one of the best people at, and Jimmy's yeah. gonna go in 12 yeah, we'll Angry Men. we'll put him on the list. Um, yeah, yeah, but he doesn't yeah. usually get to play somebody this dumb. Yeah. And it just, he really killed it. He, he had one of my... nailed being a dumb, horny drunk... He had one of my favorite lines in the movie, which I wrote down, which is uh, when when uh, Thomas Jade is driving him back to the cabin and he's drinking beers and making excuses for why he's allowed to drink beers. Because <laughs> I, only, I only do it up here. It's fine. And then they crash the and truck. Home, never passes my lips before five. Yeah, exactly. But then, then the truck crashes. And the first, and they, you know, the, the flips over and whatever. And the first thing Oliphant says is, I just opened that beer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was just like, I broke my leg. But then, like, it really doesn't seem like he broke my leg. leg. Doesn't care. But but I don't think he actually did break his leg. He just Uh, keeps uh, talking about how he broke his leg. But then he's like, he's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, later he was like, like, I broke my leg. And then he was like, I don't think I broke my leg. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And, like, people watch that and they interpret it as just, like, mistakes or dumb things. But it's all a, a. good choices being made. Okay, I feel like I'm of- Jim for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken on the role of Jim means. for this movie. I was just watching it and watching, I just being like, this is just a normal movie with a bunch of good choices and some not the best choices. Huh. Wait, I don't we- understand what people are talking about. We but- haven't discussed the best choice yet. Good. I'm glad. Is it is it where right at the end after Donuts kills the last alien, he sings the right stuff by uh, <laughs> New Kids on the Block? He does a full choreographed dance sequence and sings the right stuff. I thought that was oh. remarkable that Kasdan would put that whole song in the movie. Uh, no, uh, sadly, I wish. Uh, but no, the the best choice in this movie is the scene where Thomas Jane has a phone call through a gun. Yes! Oh my god, it's so good! When he, he psychically reaches out to Jonesy and says, Come on, Jonesy, just dial 1-800-HENRY. He's driving in a, okay, so first of all, he's driving in a truck with Tom Sizemore, and he has taken yes. Tom Sizemore's gun, which was apparently a gift from, from uh, uh, John Wayne, and he's holding the gun, and he says, come on, Jonesy, just dial 1-800-HENRY, and then suddenly a phone ring sound comes on in the cabin of the truck, and Thomas from Jane just- From nowhere. P- yeah, from nowhere, and he picks up the gun, yeah, and he holds it up to the side of his head. he happens to have the gun in his hand, it becomes yeah. Yeah. So he holds up the side of his head like a phone, and then has yeah. a one side. And this is the the why this choice is brilliant. He has a one sided conversation. We never hear Jonesy's side of the conversation. Yeah. No. You see Jonesy in the memory warehouse, like 
materialize the a phone in his yeah. secret desk. But then you don't hear Jonesy. It's just Thomas Jane sitting in a, a truck, talking into a gun, going, Jonesy, I knew it was you. Where are you? Yeah. Derry, why would you mean Derry? It's okay. I'm going to give you donuts. It'll be great. Are you Jonesy? Are you there? Are you there? He hung up. And Tom Sizemore gives him a look in the middle of the conversation. He looks over as if he's like, what the fuck? And then just goes, yeah, all right, fine. And then he yeah. just keeps driving. Yeah. This is all the whole okay. movie. This is the whole movie. Right at the end, he was like, I'm going to need my gun back now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, they dropped the first But he does, he's just looking at him like, I guess I'm in for this. Like, this is what I signed up for. <laughs> well, because he Which is also when he's working when he, with the military, and yeah. Tom Jane walks up to him, and he, what, he, like, tells him a fact about his dad. And he's yeah. like, well, okay, I guess this guy is a psychic. Let's go. And he yeah. just... <laughs> He I just love him to it immediately, and then uh, decides to drive him to to the reservoir. Yeah, which is also is this also the when he decides to like betray uh, Morgan Freeman, and he puts Thomas yeah. Jane in the shed, and then to like get him out, he literally drives into the shed, and then it's like yes. get in the truck. <laughs> so good. And Thomas Jane is like, come on, you come on, come on. Me. Where are you? He could have killed me. He's like, well, I assumed you would have psychically known I was coming and jumped out of the way. She's <laughs> like, yes, yeah. all right, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, if you're really magic, you're you're fine. Who cares? Yeah. Um, I only had three other notes that we haven't already discussed. Uh, I have a bunch of notes, and I 100% don't know where they went. Uh, the so. first one was, Woo! why does why does Damien Lewis limp in his memory warehouse? Like, it's in his mind. Why oh, does he have a limp? books fell on him. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Uh-huh. Because his limp is so much a part of his personality that he can't actually imagine himself without it. Yeah, it's like the it's Which like again, the I think it's very whether or not it's in the book or not. It's very like linked to the idea of like Stephen King's in a bed now, having been hit by right, a car right. and his body's yeah. recovering. He can't like, imagine it's ever so not dominating broken. his his mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, I enjoyed Ron Butterfield showing up for uh, ninety seconds while wearing a beret. Um, it's a West Wing reference, Jim. Don't worry about uh, it. Okay. <laughs> That made me real happy. <laughs> I was um, really mad at myself for not knowing who Ron Butterfield was for a minute. Right, it's like, a what great a funny name. name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also it's the name that Aaron Sorkin chose for the head of the Secret the Service. Secret Service. Yeah. <laughs> that might be Sorkin's best joke. And he's played by the guy who plays the general who like comes in and takes over in the movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Nice. But it's it's so funny because it's like the psychic thing is like so important in the first like fifteen minutes. It's just like yeah. And I and I was like I was way into it because you're like you're watching everyone be like bored with their psychic powers basically. It's and like use the psychiatrist idiot reasons. Yeah. Yeah. The psychiatrist who could like tell what's wrong with his patients without them having to tell him, but like he doesn't give a shit about them or like. Timothy Oliphant who's like, I can find your keys, but like You're coming on and, way too strong to this pretty lady. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, 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 and and you know, Jason Lee just drinking whiskey and whatever. But and then but they have these <laughs> like these phone calls with each other where they like they don't like they know who's calling before they pick up the phone and they're mm-hmm. like like half the conversation is out loud and half the conversation is in their head. And you're like kind of into yeah. that. Oh, also Damian Lewis using his psychic powers to uncover cheaters in his classroom. Um oh, yeah. <laughs> which was like the t- the kid is like how did you know i cheated you weren't even there it's like dude teachers can figure out if you're cheating why they, they don't need to be psychic yeah, yeah, it's pretty for that. easy that's that's yeah, pretty straightforward teacher skill yeah. you know um yeah and then it just goes away yeah and then it just goes away for the next like 45 minutes and then it comes back like yes. real hard at the end yeah all right 
But I, I again, I like that because it's just sort of like the background of their bullshit. Like they're still yeah. a little bit using it all the time, but not like that much because they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's not like they're like we're going to take these psychic powers and rule the world or become well, yeah, rich exactly. and famous. It's just like they're like middle class Elephant's doofuses. Still a car salesman. Yeah, like he just yeah. doesn't know. You know, they're guys who couldn't figure out how to use this like incredible gift to their advantage, and so they're still just like stuck in these like middle class like dead end lives and like yeah. using their psychic they, powers for the dumbest reasons, and then like can't figure out how to capitalize on them. You know? Yeah, when then like they don't really understand them, and they just like get together so that they can rem- like remind each other what they are even doing. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's it, it felt human. So so a couple of days ago. A friend of my friend Kate uh, sent me uh, one of those like listicles of like funny tweets and shit, and it was like people who sorry are is having... a listicle a list of testicles? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, okay, each one is described in detail. No, it's a, it's a listless um, testicle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, oh. it's just a sad, just packaged testicle. in the mail. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a list of like quote unquote like people who are having trouble with the English language right now, and it was just like people basically like I tried to say this thing and then I was thought I'd like, say this thing and then it came out as this thing Kumar. and that didn't make any sense. He was born in Karachi. <laughs> English no, is his fourth language. He's doing okay, but he's having trouble with uh, with uh, ad- some adverbs. adverbs yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the perfect tense. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, it was like I tried to ask for a foot long meatball and instead I asked for a moot ball feet long you know um it, it was all it, it, it sounds really dumb it was that just actually, sounds like jim on purpose most days <laughs> yeah that sounds like a funny joke but there was there was one entry that i read it's like and, a hilarious <laughs> joke that i would make and everyone would love and i would get famous on twitter yeah that's how twitter works i'm pretty sure <laughs> there was one entry that i read and then Afterwards, I watched this movie, and I said, oh, yeah, okay. And it was, my mom was trying to say big dick energy and couldn't remember what it was and instead said fat dick spirit. And I said, yes, this movie has fat dick spirit. Wait, I don't know what the... Why was someone's mom trying to say big dick energy? Do you not know big dick energy? Is that it's a it's a thing. Is that like a porno lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> what was what was Guys, the concept? Where, where someone's mother was judging the energy of someone's dick? Guys, wait, hold on a sec. I don't know. What I would just never happened. have that conversation with my mom. What the fuck is going on? Should we talk what? for a second about? Kazdan as a figure, just like just in case we want that in the can. Apparently, he couldn't make movies after this for a while. Like he had two movies in development that both died on the vine because this yep. movie nobody liked this really? movie, and he just went That's into sad. hiding for a couple of years. He yeah. seems too big to be sunk by one film. Well, yeah. he's back now writing more Star Wars shit. Yeah, exactly. He's back because well, of more sure. Star Wars is back. So yeah, but because... that's actually sort of what I want. That's to like talk he's about. stuck in jail. Well, but that's actually sort of what I wanted to talk about because I have in my head this idea that like Lawrence Kasdan is this major figure in screenwriting and like he's really good and like the, there's these important things that he's done. But if you look at his credits, he's oh, done no. a couple of things that are all like for George Lucas. 
And then he just did a bunch of stuff that I don't care about at all. Big Chill, that's him, right? Yeah, Big Chill. I just know him as a name of a dude who's important, but I guess I've never really looked. Maybe my favorite thing that he wrote was Continental Divide, which was John Belushi's one romantic comedy. Yeah, okay. Um, which I'm I'm very fond of. But then, like, I don't. Does any do any do you guys care about anything else on his filmography? Wait, hold on, I'm looking right now. The Big Chill, Silverado, The Accidental Tourist, The Bodyguard, Wyatt Earp. I I just looked through everything that's listed on Wikipedia, at least, and Dreamcatcher is the only thing I have any feelings about. Yeah, like, I don't, like, I don't, I feel like there's such a major impact on my psyche, and I presume, transitively, yours being approximately the same age as me, by Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I do like Raiders. I just think... Kazdan, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, Kazdan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Kazdan. But it's like, it's the same shit as like thinking, oh, George Lucas. It's like, oh no, wait, did you ever see anything George Lucas ever actually did? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, think the, I think the thing that we appreciate about him, or the thing that we are excited about, is that he did Raiders and Empire, which is that he swept in and saved George Lucas from himself, right? Yes. It's like, George Lucas has no idea what he's doing. Correct. <clears throat> he, he, he came up with a world and then had no idea what to do with it. Yes. Uh, and Lawrence Kasdan was like, oh, here's how you turn that into movies. Yeah. Um, but you're right that that is the best thing that he ever... Uh, not the best thing he ever did, but that's sort of where he peaked. I mean, I know, you know, I know, like, the big chills on the Criterion collection now, yeah. but that I doesn't make I have a slight fondness for the big chill, only in so much as, like... I do, too, like, but it's still shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I like. I'll I appreciate it. it's the fun. Friends in a cabin for the weekend, like vibe. I get the same reason why I like the first twenty five minutes of this movie a lot more than one. Sure, sure. Morgan Freeman bowls in with a fucking helicopter. Oh uh, yeah, but- that was one of my notes that I've lost. Was this is the big chill, but just with like incompetent <laughs> douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a little while. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so um, this has been the Let's Drag Lawrence Kasdan Hour. <laughs> um, since the last time we did an episode, because uh, the last time we did an episode... Did we seem more alive daily? <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you had a little more pep in your step, I think, at the time. I was really... First of all, I was really hoping to show up again for uh, Lawnmower Man. and uh, That was our original intent. Yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't make it because I was moving like this, like literally, like the day before you guys recorded. I, I was moving house. Um, but I would like to thank you both because uh, I was unaware that there even was a director's cut of oh. Lawnmower Man, and yeah. uh, I have since watched it. And I would like to thank you because my life. I now will classify my life in, in two categories. There was my life before <laughs> thirty minutes of video murder chimp, and then my life <laughs> after thirty minutes of video murder chimp. Um, and I'm in the better half now. <laughs> Had you? Hey, you had seen the... Oh, I've seen the theatrical, theatrical cut release? before. But, but also, I don't think I'd that. seen it... I don't think I'd seen the theatrical cut in well, 10, 15 years, probably. Like, oh, okay. um, I have seen this, this the now, weird sequel with Matt Frewer, which is real weird, because literally the only cast member who returns is that fucking kid, the next-door neighbor kid. 
who the weird. kid from Last Action Hero. That kid like, doesn't even matter. Yeah, Does he no. show up just holding all of his Cyboman comics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like I the main character. That kid's like the main character of that movie, as I recall. It's weird. like it's like a post-apocalyptic future, and Job is like <laughs> controlling the internet from inside the internet, and there are these is like... Is he the bad guy? They're, Job's the villain, yeah, and there are these like yeah. revolutionaries that are like trying to like take down Job, and then that kid is like, I remember Job! He was the lawnmower man. Um, oh, and he's the key because he re- remembers him and can yeah. talk him down at the end. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, shit! But, but he's yeah. transformed into Matt Frewer somehow. Exactly. Wait, hold on a second. That reminds me. Well, we all transform so ex- into Matt Frewer if we become <laughs> digital entities. Oh, man. That's, That's what that I learned from Max Headroom. I'm going to yeah. try to do it then. Um, I got so excited about, about the Mangler, uh, which I haven't... I As haven't, you should. I haven't watched yet, but uh, I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm really excited about it. But I went looking up the Mangler. Did you know mm-hmm. that there are multiple direct-to-video sequels to the Mangler? I I learned that uh, like a day ago after we recorded it. I saw Okay. It. So there's a second one. And then there's a third one that's like, there's like the Mangler, the Mangler 2, and then like the Mangler Reborn. The Mangler Reborn has a character listed in IMDb as Lawn Mowing Man. What? Which just filled me with joy. The only thing that I heard, someone told me about the Mangler 2, and apparently it is pretty close to Lawnmower Man. It's like in in the second one, the Mangler is a computer virus, and it's very Lawnmower Man-y, and has nothing to yeah. do with laundry. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is what I heard. So, um, just... so it makes sense that then in the third one, they'd be like, we're just fully leaning into this being Lawnmower Man. Again. <laughs> just inspired by that, uh, I, I just went to look at the Wikipedia page for the Mangler to see if yeah. I could find out anything with my brain, yeah. and the only thing that my eyes like laid on was all the way at the bottom of the page it says see also deathbed the bed that eats another (laughs) horror film with an inanimate antagonist oh deathbed is the greatest oh skeleton hands i love deathbed i saw deathbed at your house first i remember that my first deathbed moment it's so good can we get the the rights to any horror movie and just change the villain into a computer virus (laughs) Yes. I would do A Nightmare on Elm Street, but Freddy's a computer virus. I'm I'm uh, going to one-up you. I'm going to say we should try to get the rights to as many as we can. And make them all computer <laughs> And make them all... Co- just make a series of sequels in <laughs> yeah. which we turn everything into computer viruses. I completely love that idea. But all set in, like, 1993. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's no <laughs> other time to make a computer virus movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Ooh, Jason, we can, after we've made uh, one iteration of each horror franchise where they are a computer virus, we can make a, like, ca- a big deal movie where they all meet at once, and we can call it Big Disc Energy. It's <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> like Wreck-It Ralph, but better. They'll all be on a five and a quarter inch floppy disk. <laughs> Guys, if we talk for, like... 20 more minutes, I think we might make this as long as the movie. Uh, five and a quarter inch floppy, incidentally. Pretty big dick. <laughs> cool, guys. I'm not going to edit this episode at all. I'm just going to... I'm just gonna put it together. I'm gonna put it out. I don't care I'm how very long it excited. Is. I'm very excited, guys. This was magic. Uh, three more movies, Jim. You can do it. I have faith in cut you. Cut it. Cut it with your countdowns. 
You're always making these promises that someday we'll be free. I don't want to hear it anymore. Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the king is king is hell is to the king is to the hell hell help 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 me. Pick me up that I'm really farty. <laughs> <laughs> Synesthesia.